Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks Snowship podcast. Today, I am totally geeking out on our topic today, which is all about your brain and nervous system. I think you've all heard me say before, anything that helps us understand ourselves better so that we can live our best life, especially in this next chapter of our life, is my jam, like my total jam, and I could geek out on this all day. I am so excited to share today's guest with you. Her name is Nancy Sokol Green, who is a former educator, a TEDx speaker, is the founder and creator of an internationally renowned program called Brain Highways Program, which we're going to so get into because it's so good. And she's the author of a book called Connection Mode, How to Change Your Brain for a Better Life, which I just finished reading and so, so good. So welcome, Nancy. I'm glad to be here to share. (laughs) So I devoured, we talked a little bit just before we jumped on, and I devoured this book. Like like I said, I've always been super interested in the brain, but I devoured this book because, you know, I've studied lots of things on the brain, subconscious, nervous system, but this book was so easy to read and was so, I think, refreshingly simple that it had such a profound impact on me. So I want to start by saying thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for writing this book. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. That was my goal, to make it something. You can take a really complicated subject, and we can make it simple, and we can make it playful. How's that for even? We can (laughs) have a good time learning something that's that important. The teacher in you is very apparent in this book because you know you knew how to take the subject and make it fun to learn. Because I mean, it's a very complex subject, and I've written very, I've read very scientific like papers and books and things like this. But as much as I knew, I still got so much out of this topic just by the way that you presented the material. So it's well, brilliant. But being playful, not glossing over that, is key to the brain. So yeah. if we really want to learn. The brain is going to learn best if we're in connection mode and we can't be in protection mode and be playful at the same time. So it's a win-win. If I'm doing something playful, I'm staying in connection mode. My brain is going to be more receptive to whatever I'm hearing. So we've kind of forgotten that little playfulness Mm -hmm. or like we can only be playful if it's Halloween and we're in a costume, but why can't we be playful learning about the nervous system? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I want to start with the kind of the premise of your book, which is the idea that an easier life is available to all of us and that we are literally biologically wired to live an easier life if we can just understand how our brain and nervous system work. That's exactly it. So so you're not, when we're passing out, you know, connection mode, protection mode, but connection mode is that easier life part. There's no way you were asleep like Jennifer and went, oh, sorry, you missed it. There's no asterisks by anybody's name. Because some people listening might go, no, you don't get it. My life is so hard. And I do get that. But I want people to hear 
there's a reason and you have the power to change it. You did not come in here and miss out on the connection mode part of your nervous system. Not possible. I love that so much because I do think, you know, especially, okay, so, you know, to my audience who is maybe starting a new chapter, maybe they're stepping out of their comfort zone, maybe they're trying to, you know, do something different or live a different life, right? Like, you can get stuck in that. I just, I'm not capable. It's okay for other people, but I just can't do it myself. Like, and that's why I love the premise of your book, because it's like, this is available to all of us. Like, we're literally born this way. And now we just have to relearn some things <laughs> or unlearn some things that we learned along the way. And that it's, it's never, ever stuck. Just, there's just, everybody understands what stuck is, but everybody also gets, you can get unstuck. <laughs> I mean, that concept is not wild either. So I just think when we go against our biology, and that's what we're really talking about here, our nervous system, our biologies, we probably do set ourselves up to suffer. And when we flow with biology, we go, wow, this is an easier life. That's what I said. I didn't say that just because you learn all this, you never have a stressful day or this or that. But overall, it's just a life back with joy. And it's just easier and really cool connections. Well, and that's the thing, because we are supposed to be living this next chapter of our life, especially like with, you know, excitement, passion, joy, and being able to utilize your nervous system to be able to program or not program to access those things is like sheer brilliance in my, in my mind. And I saw so much of myself in your book, as we were talking about, and we're going to get into what protection versus connection is, but I saw so much of myself, you know, in my corporate life leading up to kind of, you know, my midlife crisis, as I call it. Right. And recognizing that, oh, wow, like so much of my life was in protection mode and that that crisis actually helped me to start shifting into connection mode, which is what has allowed me to create this next chapter of our life. So for the audience, can you define for us what you mean when you talk about being in protection mode versus connection mode? And I think maybe a little bit of the underlying, how our nervous system works, fight, flight, all of that stuff. (laughs) There's 101, right? Really quickly, the 101. So it's an either or system. That's the first thing that you cannot be in connection mode and protection mode at the same time. You can think of protection mode, it's one part of our nervous system, I'll explain that in a second how it works, but it literally, to me, is your whole life's on hold. So while you're in protection mode, the reason I say your life's on hold, whether we don't have any conscious awareness of it perhaps, but because, like I say, we can't learn, can't learn well in a protection mode, we don't care about relationships, we, I mean, everything about it, we're not going to make good decisions in protection mode because it's just very narrow view. So. It's like everything's on hold. So, okay, how long do we want to be in there? But then this other part of our nervous system, which is where it's supposed to be our default, is connection mode, where we are literally all the things that people tell us we should be don't happen by we should be. We just need to be in protection mode. So courage, compassion, creativity, curiosity, name all the things that we think are great. They're just the byproducts of being in connection mode. So it's a different way of thinking. It's not saying you should have more courage, Jennifer, go for your dreams and your, the protection mode part of your nurse and going, oh, no, no, danger, danger. She tried this when she was 10. She tried this when she was 15. It does this whole history of you, right? So to me, the, when I understood how the nervous system worked in those simple terms, the goal had to be within how do I get stuck in protection mode? Because many people are, but then how do I live more of my life in connection mode? And the gateway to that, here's like play a little drum roll, 
is a flexible nervous system. And here's why I say that, because the older part of your nervous system right now, as you and I are talking, it literally is just going, my nervous system is just saying, is Nancy safe? Is Nancy safe? Is Nancy safe? Is all it cares about. If you try to talk about joy, I like to imagine the nervous system talking back to me and would go like, joy, the older part of the nervous system. I don't even know what that is. Are you kidding? That's not my job. Well, I'd like to be more happy. Happy? I'm just here to see if you're safe. Okay. And because it takes its job so seriously and rather melodramatic, it doesn't care if it's wrong because it's going to make the risk assessment Mm. before your conscious brain is even aware. So that's what people need to understand. You have no say. People who say they want more control in their life, then understand your nervous system because the nervous system faster than your conscious brain can think about it decides if there's possibly a risk. And the key word is possible. It can't afford to make a mistake. So it's always going to err with, well, I could be wrong. The problem is in our modern day life, it's wrong like, you know, 99.9% of the time. Meaning if I asked you, Jennifer, when was the last time you saw an attacking tiger? Right. Yeah. So it doesn't happen. So what happens is then it even decides how it's going to protect you. So I know a lot of people talk about survival mode, but I like to call it protection mode because I want people to think then the action is a protective action. Because then right there, if I look at somebody who's maybe yelling at me, I might look at that compassionately now as possible that this person's in protection mode Mm -hmm. and is doing one of three things. One is what we call power over. So they're trying to fight the threat so that I'll back away. So you might see, well, yelling's not really like fist fighting, but if I'm loud enough, maybe you'll be quiet. And it doesn't even matter to the nervous system if it only works two out of 10 times. The nervous system goes to ching, use that one again. It might decide to get me to run away from the threat. And in everyday life, that might just be, I might be looked as the procrastinator. I'm always going, oh, okay, well, I may make it do that tomorrow. Then it does freeze, which is literally sometimes, and a lot of times this happens when we're just blindsided, when something just so outrageous happens and we just freeze. We don't even know how to respond. But from a biological perspective, that's more like, well, maybe the threat won't notice me and will just go away. Here's the part that's really important, though. If all three of those aren't going to, from the nervous system's view, protect us, then it does this total shutdown dissociative. And so it still is a protective mechanism, but I'm not going to feel this. I'm not going to be here. I'm going to check out. Now, again, all those are really helpful if it's just temporary and then it's supposed to be resolved and we get back to connection mode. What's happened in our world with so many people is we don't get that second part. We're never going to be able to control the first part. You're not. Okay. That's how our biology is, but it's supposed to be just temporary. Somebody asked me the other day, well, why do we even need then protection mode? You would not want to get rid of that part of our nervous system. For times of true danger, it's a brilliant system. And we don't even want to like get mad at our nervous system. It's like, thank you. Okay, wrong. Just like our smoke alarm went off, but we saw it was just a bug in it. We don't still call the paramedics. We don't, you know, all these things. (laughs) So, but that's how our nervous system is. Just get it. It, It's going to go off at times. We can do more things in connection mode that actually even make it a little more relaxed. And so the goal is to learn how to first recognize what's protection mode. A lot of it is not so over. Some of it is. And then how do I get back to connection mode and stay there as long as I 
maybe we can. <laughs> yeah. So a few things as you were just talking, you know, when I was reading your book, when you were talking about the whole concept of protection mode and I saw myself, so the chapter of my life that was like my corporate career, well, actually the chapter of my life before this one, the chapters before childhood and everything. And I, because at first when I started reading the book, I'm like, okay, how do people get stuck in protection mode, right? Like I was kind of curious, like, well, why could I not move out of protection mode? And so as a practical, just to help other people maybe understand this and you can correct me if I'm wrong. When I began this journey of like reinventing my life, I had realized that I had been operating from this place of never had I considered whether I was happy or whether I was doing what I wanted. I was operating out of the shoulds. Like, am I a good girl? Am I a good mom? Am I a good worker? You know, am I a good corporate executive? Like, am I right? Constantly measuring up because of this feeling of like, okay, I have to be good at all of these things or people won't like me. Right. I'll be rejected. I'll be left behind. I won't be loved. Right. And that's really common. So let me interject. So we call yeah. that there's a difference between how sometimes people will say, well, I'm a people pleaser. That's not really true. What you described, that's a people appeaser. Yes. And the difference is, is that one is done out of joy. If I just want to make you some soup because you're sick and it makes me feel good. It's not because I care what you think about me. I just feel connection mode. And that part of the circuitry is running. If I do it because you think I'm a crummy friend, if I don't show up and I need to give you that, and even though I'm so stressed today, but I'll make you it, that is appeasing because it's right. done out of a fear. Now you probably learned that as a great protective mechanism as a child. child. And that's yeah. what I want people to understand. Whatever you did before, it was probably spot on. Do you know what I mean? There might've been a situation in your home where you just learned it's better just to do it than to, yeah. but here's the big but but I don't have to keep doing it. And when you said it was a magic word, you said should. I think there's a language of protection mode that keeps it going that we don't know. And should is one of them. So I would recommend everybody, if they can, just erase should from your life. And people mm-hmm. say, no, you can't. There's things, there are things you should do. You, like you should wear a seatbelt. You can make that case, but you could say, I choose to wear a seatbelt because I like to be safe, <laughs> not because I should. And so the should, the answer back to should in my life has always been says who? Yeah. Exactly. And then sometimes whoever the says who is, and then, so you might even say, well, says, says my boss. Well, okay, who's your boss? I mean, you can play this says who game, but what you want to get to is what feels right with me and what resonates and what am I doing out of fear? Yeah. That's always your first clue. If I, all those things you listed, what did you think would happen if you didn't? Right. Well, for example, you know, I wouldn't be included. I would be rejected. I wouldn't be loved. I wouldn't be like, it was like looking back on it now, I can see it for what it is. But had you asked me at the time, if I was in protection mode, I would have been like, oh no, I am so in control of my life. Like, right. right? I would never have recognized that that's what I was doing. Well, that's why I say, I think we were talking before we have a family program. So the parents have to do the program alongside their kid, but they really signed up because they think their kid's in protection mode. And the dads are the sweetest because they will literally about week two or week three just go, you know what? I think I've been in protection mode my whole entire life. Oh my gosh. And, and, it, and it's almost like a relief. And then they'll even, or one of my more favorite stories was a dad who about week six, he goes, okay, what is going on here, Nancy? What is going on here? I have not cried like in four decades. You know, I don't cry, right? And I'm driving along and I hear this song on a radio and it reminds me of my mom and I start sobbing. He goes, what is going on here? And I smiled because what was going on here was a nervous system that was starting to get regulated where it was safe for him to be able to feel. 
And it was safe for him to be able to feel because, here's the big, because again, he had learned tools that he could go to that place of pain or whatever it was and know that he could get back to connection mode. Because a lot of the times the reason we get stuck is, and I liken it to like if you're on a cliff and you told me right now, there's a really deep, oh, who knows, under the ocean, whatever, and just jump, Nancy, and I don't know if I'm ever going to come back up. I'm not jumping. I'm standing there. But if you say you can jump, and I promise you, you'll get back up and you'll get back into a better spot, at least I'm curious. Is it safe to say that, and maybe this is an overreach, but like the majority of us live like a good chunk of our lives in protection mode? Absolutely. Especially because the world's become different. I don't want to be cynical or critical, but the media and the world out there, actually, they understand the nervous system. That's the sad thing is they they are looking for a headline that will create the fear. So you'll click on it. They people who make scary movies, they know exactly what they're doing. They know at what part, because here's the other thing about the nervous system. It doesn't have to know what's real or not. It just has to think it's a threat. I mean, and we all know that because I can sit in this chair and never leave and start worrying about, oh my gosh, this is in the future because this is in the past and I can jump all over the place and my brain and nervous system will respond. And I never left the chair. I never left the chair. So it's even harder today because of how much can get into our brain. So it just makes it to me more important that we're just aware of that. Oh, there's a, a headline that wants me to click because it's trying to trigger my amygdala. I mean, mean, simple as, you know, simple as that, but it doesn't have to make people be bad or good because then that also puts you in protection mode. Any kind of judgment, that's another thing that people don't realize. You make any kind of judgment and you are in protection mode. Mm. And what I mean by that is, because I, you know, we work with so many people, so I, I get to have the fun of hearing people resist it. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I have to correct my child. If I don't correct my child, and then I go, well, what's the fear? Because there's always a fear. If you're making an unsolicited correction, right? There's a fear and people go, no, there isn't. So here's what I challenge your listeners to do. We call it no corrections for a day in our program. You go all day and you challenge yourself not to make any unsolicited corrections, okay? And then just reflect, you're just open. People go, oh, I blew it the first two minutes. There's no blowing it. It's just a curiosity (laughs) thing. And here's the questions that we ask that bring about some pretty neat reflections. One is, was there one person or two people more than others that you seem to correct the most? And that for a lot of times, there's a big aha on that one. There is like, what happened when you couldn't correct? And that's when people say, I felt so anxious. Because the point is, is we think we're helping when we say, oh, you need to sit up like this and do that. And and, well, because he won't learn manners, but it's your angst. And so I believe that corrections snip connections okay so corrections snip connections and And, and. oh oh, i'm going to tell you funny but again you can be playful with it so my husband for so many years remember i don't know all this for a long time we've been married over 40 years i clearly and only because i live with him i must slaughter certain words and i say that because i'd be in the middle of talking to him about something maybe excited this and that and he'll stop me and correct me how to say the word and I used to get frustrated and I'd say, well, you clearly know what that word was. You weren't lost. It's just you and me here. Why are you even correct me? But now I'm in protection mode with that response. So when I explained to him all this, as I learned all this, there was a really funny story once where I'm telling him something. And I said, I went to the store and I said the name of the store and he's 
he's looking at me and he's trying to listen, but I see this little smile and the smile's trying to come out. And finally I'm going, what? He goes, no, no, nothing, nothing. And then at the very end he said, because this is what we started doing differently. At the end of whatever I'm saying, he says, would you be interested in knowing how that word is pronounced by other people? Because when I asked him why he cared, what the fear was, he actually doubled down originally and said, well, because when you speak in front of other people, you're going to say it wrong. And I just laughed and I said, I'm sure I have for decades. <laughs> but, but when he asked me at the end, then I was interested, right? That was a connection right. thing. And then once in a while, he still does it. And now we playful. Remember, I told you we can be playful with all this. He, just the other day, I think he even corrected me on something. And I just, in the middle, and I smiled and I said, do you feel better now? <laughs> and so you keep it playful and but that's huge that corrective kind of talk yeah that keeps us in protection mode so the example of that for my life and again so this might help our listeners understand this so a big chunk of my life was as i said before kind of measured by my success if i was a successful business person mom yada 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 when my daughter was in her like late teens, early 20s, she went through some anxiety and depression. And my biggest fear was that she was not going to be a successful human. Like she wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, right? Because that's how I was living my life. And, you know, our relationship was actually going south because I was on her like, well, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. Here's a resource. Go do this. Well, get out of bed earlier. Go for a walk. And I had this like long list of things that she had to do. And once I'm reading your book, I'm like, Oh, yes, very much coming from <laughs> protection mode based on my own fear. At some point, I was I, I had started down a spiritual development journey and I was reading something and it hit me about her journey is her journey and Absolutely. she just needs to have her journey. Right. And I let go. I was just like, OK, I'm just going to trust her to do whatever. And I stopped, you know, doing all the things like, you know, I, I basically let go of my fear and said, even, okay, like I'm letting go of the fact that she doesn't need to be successful. If she's happy being a garbage man, which in my mind was like the worst possible thing, right. Then job done. I'm a great mom. I have a happy child. Right. When I let go of all of those things, it literally lifted a weight off her. And to my listeners, I talked about this a couple podcast episodes ago where I, where I interviewed her, it gave her space then to be able to navigate her journey. And, you know, I said to her, like, I'm not going to say anything to you, but I am absolutely here if you need me. Like, this is right. Saying that, like getting out of my fear and being able to say that to her created a connection between us that literally changed our relationship. You just nailed it. That's exactly true. And, you know, we all go through it, though. So I don't want people right. to think that I what you kind of described is what I call one of the disguised protection mode is I frame myself more like that is that I'm just a really good problem solver. I'm just a really good fixer. I mean, fixer doesn't even sound as good, right? And I was always doing the same thing too, is well, we just do this, this, and this, but the angst is we want you to be better so we feel better. Right. And that's baloney, and all it does is put more pressure on the other people. When you talk about your daughters, I laugh, my older daughter, dating one quote, not nice guy after another. Okay, how can we say it, right? <laughs> and then she ended up with this one for, oh, they'd go out for a couple months and then break up and she'd say how horrible he is and then he'd be back. My husband couldn't even deal with it, right? But she was living in New York at the time. And at that point in my life, I had already figured out that let her unfold her story. And by the way, as a footnote, she's married to a fabulously nice man now, but she was going through a phase of all these not nice guys. 
So she calls me up after she says, I'm done with this guy, this and I get this call and she goes, hey mom, guess who I just went out to dinner with tonight? I go, who? She goes, Robbie. Now the old me would have said, are you kidding? How about, and I just went, I guess there's still something more to learn. And that's exactly <laughs> what I would say. And it was just so much better. And she did, she did yeah. learn. And, and like I say, we, so our kids and people in our lives, they're in our chapters, but we're not the directors of yeah. their life. And I, what you just said was perfect, but we can be there. And even as I was transitioning out of this fix it mode, I have two daughters, they would call me up. This is when they're like in college and this and that. And they made me say something was all really upsetting. And I'd say, okay, tell me what my cue cards are. Do you want me just to say that really sucks? Or do you, do, were you looking for some possible wisdom? And you know what? 90% of the time they'd say, just say it sucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do that with my daughter now too. Yeah. So I, I just want to say, I think it's universal. So I don't judge. And if people have done that, no. I don't want people to like to read the book or think, oh, oh, I didn't. No, you did absolutely what you were wired to do at the time. Right. And and all I'm trying to do is bring some awareness, like you say, for the second chapter of my life, or even if I'm younger, I don't have to live this way. But we were actually I wanted to add one other thing is one of the reasons we stay stuck in protection mode and when you were telling your story is you created stories about I won't be liked I won't be so what happens is we go into protection mode and I told you the nervous system does that without any logical thinking then the higher centers of the brain come down and it's kind of like whoa why are we like this and turns out our higher centers of the brain have no qualms about making up whoppers. Well, you must be stupid, or you must not be lovable, or your boss is just a big jerk. And that's the story that keeps us in protection mode. The event has passed. So safe to say, so when we're in protection mode and our conscious mind then makes up the stories, which then our subconscious mind believes and acts Well, it makes it a program, then makes it a program. So we'll just right. we tell it long enough, we just automate it. And then we just keep going out to look in our life to make sure that it happens. So we can go, see, told you so. And you mentioned in the book, and I've heard this in various different stats before, that like 95% of how we show up in the world is directed by our subconscious mind, which we are not even aware of. Right. That's why I call it screen two. We all think we're living screen one, but screen two is where it's all happening. And so if we want to, when you said something about being in control earlier, yeah. a lot of people say I have to be in control. If you really want to have control, get a hold of your subconscious, figure yeah. out what the programs are because you're going to automate them. So I feel like I've changed in that I have new automated programs. They're always going to exactly. work this way. But if I had a computer program on my hardware from you know 1994, I don't think most people would think just delete it. It's not even relevant now, you know, and you got to clear some space right. for some new program, but you only have so much real estate up there. So if you're hanging on to all the old programs, there's not even space for the new ones. Right. But you can automate anything. You can literally automate anything. I mean, and you mentioned in the book, like we come into this world, like using your computer analogy, we come into this world as a computer with absolutely no programming. <laughs> and then the first seven years of our life downloads all the programming we think we need to know. Well, right. Good, bad, and the, well, but it makes sense right. biologically too, though, because right. we don't have life experience. We don't have, but it doesn't have a, you know, if I was consulted on this, I'm being presumptuous. It would be nice if it had a filter, like, oh, oh no, not a good program. Don't put that one down. <laughs> right. No filter, no filter. You just, you get it all. But again, what I want people to hear is everything about the brain and the nervous system is fluid. There's nothing that's stuck. 
that has to be that way forever. I could have had the worst programs downloaded onto me. And I don't even know what worst is because maybe that's helping me somehow my journey was. I don't even look at things as good, bad. That's another, I guess, tip. I don't see the world in good, bad success because if there's success, there's failure. I don't even know what those things mean. I like to look at things with curiosity. I like to give things a whirl. I, I think the minute we start getting into all that language again, we're just, you know, the nervous thing. Okay, well, that wasn't successful. Oh, well, that wasn't proper. And then we're just back. And then what you actually said also is the number one fear of why all our stories often are circulating around. And it goes back to our biology. If people don't get me, if you don't like me, I'm just saying how, ner- you know, bodies, nervous systems, yeah. subconscious. If you think I'm weird, if you think I'm this or that, then you will not be with me. So that's the irony. You will disconnect. And the biological fear is back, way back, 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 back when, when we're tribal people, we're pack animals, that mm-hmm. I'll be left alone on the savanna. Which is and dangerous. I'll <laughs> and I'll die. So right. I will give up who I am to hopefully stay with you. And yeah. what I want people to hear is there's a door number three. You can be who you're supposed to be, and you're not going to be out on the savannah. If anything, you're going to have more people want to be with you because how you are now responding. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes so much sense. So you also talk about, and I want to get into connection mode, but you talk about, and this really kind of jumped out to me from your book, is when you're in protection mode, you can't be in creation mode. And this stage of our lives for us as midlife women, this is all about creation. Like we created in a different way in our previous chapter by having kids and that's part of our creation. Now our creation is turning into, turning towards the things that are important for us. Like what is it that we want to build for our next chapter? And we can't build that while we're in protection mode because the brain just doesn't work that way. Well, think about why though, wait, but think about why. Remember I told you this older part of the nervous system is so melodramatic it thinks you're about to maybe die. Die, right. a creative idea. I mean, you know, it's like, like, who cares about that? Doesn't care about your ulcer either. Doesn't care about any of those things. It's just thinking in this moment, what can I do to keep you safe? So creativity is beyond put on a shelf if I'm in protection. Right. And so, and when you talked about it, so, so many pieces were coming together to me through this book. So when I was on my journey and figuring out, okay, the what's next, right? Like, okay, everything is falling apart. Like what, what's next? What am I building? I would come up with these great ideas and, you know, things would be, and I'd get really, really excited about them. And the next thing you know, I'd be scrolling social media and three hours just went by. And I'd be like, what the hell? I was so excited. Why did I not take action? Why could I not? Right. And there was a lot of beating myself up in that process. Like there must be something wrong with me. Like, like yeah, we go back to the negative self-talk. Anytime right. we're in negative self-talk, we're in protection mode. Just right. So you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Just so you know. And then when I was reading your book, I was like, oh, it just so explains it. I'm about to step out of my comfort zone in a huge, huge way. And my brain is setting off all kinds of alarms. And without even consciously knowing it, I made a choice to sit down on the couch and scroll through Facebook for two hours. It was a great flight. Right. Right. Your nervous system protected you. It was like, whoa, that's too dangerous. We'll just, oh, scroll a little. But you probably also in that whole process, your nervous system, it's got this uncanny ability I say on one hand, it's so impersonal. I just want people to know it's just doing its job. It's not trying to mess up your life. On the other hand, it's so personal because as it's making that assessment in less than a second, that's what I want people to understand. It scans your entire history. And it might have gone, oh, Jennifer, when you tried that and you thought you're being creative, oh, that didn't work out. Check. And another check and another check and another check. So it went, danger, danger, don't go anywhere near. Yeah. 
or you're going to fail. And when you fail, everybody's going to ridicule you and then they won't like you. And you'll be well, that would be the program. The... Then it checked off all your programs. You have, you have <laughs> programs. I see, I don't have that program. I have my own, but that, those were right. like failing. And so that was like, my yeah. program. Yeah. <laughs> Way too big of a risk. Go scroll. And then, oh, here comes another program. Oh, why did I do that? Then I, I say, I really, anytime we're self-sabotaging, another clue that screen two yeah. is at play. Screen, screen two, two, two play. has come into the picture because nobody, nobody, if you're running connection mode, we don't self-sabotage. We don't sabotage other people. That's just as foreign as joy is to protection mode. Sabotage and self-talk, uh, negative talk is foreign to connection mode. Right. They really are like two separate parts. <laughs> so literally my brain went from, oh, here's a great idea, something I'm really excited. And it literally went to, you're alone on the savannah and there's a lion coming at you. <laughs> like so something that I did did not seem good, did it? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, right? But without me knowing. So right. people who are listening and like maybe they're in the same position right now, it's like, oh, wow, I see, I see protection mode and how it's playing out in my life. What do I do? How do, what, first of all, what is connection? We talked a little bit about that. Like what is connection and how do I start to move towards connection? Okay. So I have to be really honest. When I first started doing this over two decades ago, mostly I worked on intuition. And then I'm so excited when I find research afterwards that backs it up. I, mean, <laughs> I, love I had this PhD in my program once and she really wanted to interview me and nothing against PhDs, get, don't get me wrong, but she wanted to know how I did all my research. And I said, it'll be a very quick conversation because literally I work on intuition and then, oh, isn't that cool? Now there's research. Okay. So I knew, but, but I like to look at how people also talk and do things intuitively. Cause I'm telling you, everybody who's listening already knows everything I'm telling you on some level you do. Yes. So yes. when people say, well, what's connection? Well, you know what? We talk about it. Cause it has to do with our heart. We go, oh, she's all heart. And everybody knows what that means. And see what I did. I even put my hand on my heart when I said that. We do that, or we look at something with awe and we put our hand on our heart and we go, oh, that I'm just in awe of that. And nobody says, oh, like a, like a hard word. It's just, there's already parts of our, there's clues, I guess I'm saying in our life already that we do know what connection mode is. But then it turns out the research, and this just blew me away. So connection mode biologically is literally, your heart sends more messages to your brain than your brain does to your heart. And I thought that was like, everybody pause on that, right? Oh, yeah, I, I underlined that like four times in the book because I was but like- it, it changed my life too, in the sense of, because once you start leading with your heart, and the thing is, the, this is how we explain to kids too, your heart gives you messages all the time. It's talking to you, this connection mode, but it's just not loud. It's just in the back of the brain, it's a protection mode. It's like, you idiot. I mean, it's really loud, right? But it's not like your connection mode's ever gone. We just have to silence some of the louder stuff. But even like a six-year-old or seven-year-old will understand if it, you know, your heart message doesn't say, hey, take your iPad out of your brother's hand because he's not sharing. That's not a message from the heart. They even go like, duh, right? So the heart does tell us, and it might say something to like a listener, go for it. Okay, whatever that is, but it's the heart, it's not gonna, so it's just go for it. But then this is where it gets exciting. Connection mode is we let the heart lead, but then the cortex goes, seriously, you don't have the money or you don't have the skills or whatever. So in the past, we may have let that trump, right? right. Trump the idea, right? You get, I didn't yeah. want to be political here. I meant, I meant to yeah. you know, say, forget it, you know, override it, hijack it. But now when we're connection mode, we go, okay, we have to work together. 
Okay, so we're not going to lose the heart message, but we do need the cortex to go well. And actually for money, I'm just going to tell you a thing that I've always lived my whole life on. If you're thinking of making a decision and you take, I always say, take money out of the equation. Yeah. And if you would do do it, if you would do it, not because of the money, then you will work in connection mode. You will come up with creative ways to find the financing to make it work. I mean, it's, it's just like this. Just like protection mode is a downward spiral, connection mode is just everything keeps flowing in the most positive ways. So connection mode is literally, if, parent, if people listening were parents and you remember that moment that they held you, your baby to hold with you against your, your chest, nobody taught that baby to respond to you. Nobody taught you to respond to it. That's just pure connection mode. And so I feel like we came into the world that way and it's, not lost. That's what I don't want people to hear. Even if you think you're stuck in protection mode, you've got connection mode. We just have to shift the balance back and let one be more the leader than the protection mode, which is just every moment just thinking I'm going to die. I just so love everything you just said. I have goosebumps like <laughs> as you're talking because just the pureness of the fact, you know, you talk about coming into the world as a computer with no programming, like you came into the world led by heart, right? And it was the circumstances, like in connection mode, and it was the circumstances of life that moved us over. So, you know, and while things worked for us as a protection mode when we were kids, and then, you know, that protection mode is probably no longer working for us as an adult. In fact, it's now getting in the way. Right. And the beautiful part of that is that it's never too late. You're never too old. You know, it's a hundred percent possible for you to start moving back towards that. Our oldest participant in our program, 76. And you should hear her go on and on because it was like, okay, 76, she waited a long time to have a lot of, of the connections you wanted, but didn't stop her joy from having them. When you're in connection mode, you can't turn down the joy. Just like when you're in protection mode, you can't just call it up. I mean, again, I just hope people are getting the point is either or you don't want to get rid of protection mode, but it's supposed to be the in the background, those rare times. And then it's the most brilliant system ever. Because can you imagine if we really want it? So I I jokingly say, so I am on the savannah and I see a tiger. You think I want to be in connection mode? Oh, I wonder if he's had a meal lately. Oh, this poor tiger. He's wrong. I'm already eaten. I can't afford to be in that compassionate yeah. mode. But we aren't living in caveman days. Everything was survival. Even if we had food, whether or not we had food or where were we going to have shelter. But we create the dangers in our world yeah. today. And we can literally decide not to be a part of those. I want to make sure people understand those. When I say it's either or, so I've been doing this for a long time. I don't want people to think that I don't go into protection mode. I mean, if you actually had a little hidden nanny camera or something here a couple of days ago, you might go, oh, I caught her. She's in protection mode. And I'd go, well, duh, because I'm human. And But here's the difference once you practice, and it is practice to get your life more back in connection mode. So I'll be in connection mode, I'm in protection mode. Most of the time I recognize that sometimes you wouldn't even know what I am because I'll just feel a little sensation in my body. I've learned where in my body, you know, something is, and I just do one of the many techniques to bring me back. But the other day, like I said, when I was 
I knew it was in protection mode. And I was kind of like, I know I'm in protection mode. I don't care. I'm going to be in protection mode because that's how much I was in protection mode. I'm just going to be angry. And I'm just, I'm having this whole dialogue in my head. But the little bit of the heart there was going, okay, but you know everything's going to be on hold until you get back to connection mode, right? And how long do you want to delay it? And so then I had this little inner dialogue, all right, maybe 10 more minutes. I'll be mad 10 more minutes. But the right. truth is, once you've experienced it, you do go, why? So I don't want people to think, I'm my nervous system is still going to go through all the history and, and you know, all the things that maybe weren't resolved when I was younger, you know, or whatever. But it doesn't, it's not the same now where I might have in the past gone days still mad at what you said to me. Right. You know, days. Right. Every time I'm seeing and then feeling more justified, it's just like, just let it go. But it's yeah. but it can't be just said that there are literal tools that I use. It can, the words, like if someone tells you, and everybody knows this too. If I said to you, if you're upset, I said, Oh, Jennifer, just calm down. Who's ever said, oh, I feel so much better now. Thank you. Why didn't I think of it? That's okay. even more yeah. of a disconnect. So it's not words that uh, usually bring us back. It is because the body has braced for the threat. So there are visceral things that we need. I call it like texting my nervous system. You know what? I get it. You're confused though. Because your nervous system wants to be acknowledged too. See, that's yeah. the thing. When someone yeah. tells you to calm down, the reason you're mad is back to that if I don't get you I'll put you back on the savanna but it's like my nervous system just said there's a threat what are you dissing my nervous system so now your nervous system's even more worked up right so yeah. I just think there's so many things that we both say that put us in protection mode but I'm also challenging your listeners you I'll guarantee you there's there are things you say and do and actions you even do viscerally that you know help people so like one of the techniques is you know if you when somebody's really upset, sometimes we just naturally just um, rub our hands down their shoulders or their arms, we like that. It's, well, and now if you do it on both sides, I'm crossing my hands over now as I'm doing it and I'm going down my arms. Now it turns out they've seen brain waves at that, um, you know, machines where they can prove that you change your brain waves to more relaxing. It's like, great, another technique that we already knew. Or another one, when we were in protection mode, a lot of times what we do is we slap our forehead. I just put my hand on my forehead like this, right? It, well, that's intuitive, but what we do is we take it away. What we need to do is hold it there. And if we hold it there, because when we're in protection mode, all the blood goes away from our brain, which is great if we're gonna need to fight really or flee, but not if my husband just said something snarky, right? So if I bring the blood back and I just keep it there longer, I even like it better, I cover my eyes and I put my hands over my forehead and my fingertips on the top of my head and then just take some breaths. I'm biologically now texting my nervous system, hey, we got this, we're okay. It, you know, it's interesting as I was reading that and listening to you talk about it now, it's interesting how sometimes those things are just natural. Like, you know, when you get upset, like you cover your heads or I put my, like I'm worrying about something and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. I've got my hand on my head and it's like this instinctual thing. I didn't say, oh, if I put my hand on my head, I'm gonna feel better. It's like my body wanting to come back to it is. That's what I'm saying. Your body has. Yeah. The, it, well, how about people all over the world do the same thing? So right. that's yeah. I, it made sense to me. I don't think it's hard to convince people that we have an alarm system that goes off and puts us in survival mode. But it made sense to me that the same incredible body would equally have a system built into it to bring us back to balance. Yeah. Because the body's all about balance. And it's like, 
you know, who would have an alarm? I wrote in the book, who would have an alarm system where you put it on your ho- Everybody knows there's false alarms. Alarms go off and the tech goes, ah, nah, if it just goes off too bad, it's going to ring the rest of your life. People go, I'm not installing that alarm. So it, there is, again, that's my theme. We have this innate wisdom. We have, when people come to my program, I tell them, honestly, you already know everything I'm right. going to teach you. I'm they just nudging you here and there in a little bit of way and this and that. And can take your hand for a little bit and be your guide, but you're not even with us very long because you already have this. Yeah. So you talk a lot about the flexible nervous system, which is kind of what we're talking about as in being able to go from protection mode, from connection to protection back again, because you've developed, like we were just talking about, you kind of developed an awareness of the fact that, oh, right now I'm in protection mode. <laughs> Maybe I'm choosing to stay here now or not, right? But that and we, that's okay. And, like I, said, I didn't beat myself up for that. <laughs> right. But that we have the ability to be able to say, okay, yes, I can go back and forth. And that's the way that it should work. Like that's a fully functioning. That's the gateway. System. That's the gateway. We're going to go to protection mode, but we have a gateway back. And it has to be a nervous system that embraces that flexibility, that doesn't judge ourselves when we're in protection mode. Yes. So many soldiers and, and first responders we've worked with, their nervous system had them freeze right. in a really stress event. And you can't imagine the stories they carried with that. Imagine. You know, so because you can't freeze in that, but their nervous system decided to do that. So there has to be not a judgment of that if I'm in protection mode, but the awareness that I am there and I can get back to connection mode. That piece of knowledge alone that I'm here now and that I have the ability to not be here is probably the one of the most powerful things. But should we talk to, like I said, I have grandkids now and it's so much fun because I didn't know all the stuff when my girls were little. If you could hear my five-year-old grandson, if you wanted to interview him, he could probably enlighten your things. He talks about it as just everyday thing. Oh, my dad had a really big disconnect oh, I love that. today. And he'll call, he calls me Abby, he calls me up and he goes, hey, Abby, big curve today. Because he knows that life has curves. He goes, but he goes, and he'll say how it was frustrating. He'll say what it was. And then he goes, but then a delightful curve came because he's also learned that things get back. He's just, this it's language so to him is just... And I have two younger ones, even younger than that, they're already doing it. It's just so much fun to watch that. I guess what I'm struggling to say or not coming out so so succinctly is it was like, it's easier to teach the really young because they're still so pure. They're not that yeah. far away from it. And it's like, well, this just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just, and it, but the compassion, you just started kindergarten and there's so many kids in there that are having struggles. And instead of looking at a kid as being a bully, he literally goes home to my daughter and says, mom, can we help them find out about brain highways? Can we help them find out about connection mode? Because he just understands it. And they gravitate to him because he's not judging them. There's a little boy in the class who comes up and obviously we know from a brain highways perspective, it has to do with the lower brain, but he needs what we call proprioception. So he's constantly banging his hands and stuff and all it makes sense from our view, but he comes up to kids and he puts his face like really close to his face and pounds his face into it. And that's not a great thing to happen, but my grandson understands what he's doing with that. And in a nice way of taking care of himself without putting this other kid down can keep the connection. And he even asked his mom, he wants to invite him over for a play date. And so, you know, it's just feedback 
for this is not complicated because if three-year-olds and four-year-olds and five-year-olds can get it, then so can 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds. <laughs> and the only challenge that we have is that we have way more. I, I jokingly say to my daughter, because he also knows how to let go of, like I say, how to get back and let release the events so it's no longer stored in his brain, so it won't come back to haunt him later. I jokingly tell her, I go, maybe we ought to keep just a few in there so he can, you know, be like his peers and go to therapy or something later on in life. So we don't want him to sound like he's got it all. And clearly he doesn't. But I can say he just the other day, an event happened where the vacuum cleaner, he's not afraid of vacuum cleaners. I won't get into the whole story why there was an event where he associated that them and my daughter didn't realize it with this other event. So now all of a sudden he was afraid of vacuum cleaners. What do we usually do? Oh, come on. You know, this just a vacuum cleaner or, oh, hey, You've been afraid of that. I mean, you weren't afraid of vacuum cleaners before. We try to logic it. Instead, we, he already knows. He goes, my nervous system is confused. Because with that, the truth is, is that he still is feeling a visceral response when he saw the vacuum cleaner. And so not only do we have the language, it's confused, but we want to help it. We don't want to, if I now hide the vacuum cleaner every time you come over to my house, I'm actually going to confuse your nervous system more, right? So we recognize it. He knows how to do some of the techniques. And what we did is he named the vacuum cleaner. Boom. He put stickers all over it. So we started to interact and playful with him. And guess who's vacuuming the whole house? So it's just a dialogue that reflects our biology that keeps us in connection. Right. So you talk about some things in the book. No, first of all, I want to say, imagine how different the world would be if there's a whole generation of kids that are growing up like your grandson and that can see people and react to pe- people who are struggling and react to people who are struggling with compassion and understanding. Like, But that is what I do. So when people yeah. come to a program, nobody signs up for connection mode. I'm being honest. They don't. We ask them yeah. why they signed up and it's my kid has meltdowns or he can't read. Yeah. And I'm not minimizing all any of those things. But they're stuck on the thing. And if that thing will change, then I'll feel better because, like you say, he'll be successful. So they learn pretty quickly when, but I always say they signed up because they knew, because it's a silly program. So there's a part of you that knew. And so as we start to shift away from the thing and we talk about how do we get back to connection mode, at the end of four months, that's the total time you're with me, right? And they're sharing all their changes. Yes, all those things they listed the first week, they're either gone because those are things that we do in protection mode or they're greatly improved. But you know all they want to talk about? Life in connection mode, how they did this. And the kids are beaming too. It's just life in connection mode and it's contagious. So that's what I'm hoping we can do is we can spread that instead of spreading fear. Yeah. So you talk about in the book about ways that we can develop or I guess cultivate more of connection mode. And you talk about things like gratitude and play and things like that. It was interesting to me that a lot of the stuff that you talked about, like gratitude, doing things that you are afraid of, like you call it going brave, playing, you know, having community, doing things for other people. Like that's all stuff that we instinctually know how to do, right? Right. So, you know, it gets in the way of all that. I was just going to okay, ask. So, right. Okay. So <laughs> self-care and there's so much now, now when we first started out doing this, people didn't talk about it, but self-care. Here's the truth. We have concepts, again, back to the language of time and how we talk about time and how we perceive time is going to be a clue whether we stay in protection mode or we actually get to this replenishing part. So think about how we talk about time. I don't have enough time. You wasted my time. I'm out of time. We talk about time like it's a scarce commodity, so I don't have time 
to do something with my community. I don't have time to do yoga. You don't understand my life. Well, here's the truth, and I stand by it. Not only it, well, wait, I'll flip on that. Nobody, but maybe now today people will start, if they listen to it, says, you know what? I have 24 hours every day. I don't even have to do anything for it. It doesn't cost me anything. I wake up and tomorrow, another 24 hours. But when I shift into connection mode, I really do shift my concepts of time. The mom no longer thinks that she has to do the laundry. She just decides she's going to sit down and play and build a fort with her son. Okay, so time is a big roadblock to all this, but it's also when we took a time is that if I'm a perfectionist and I gave, let's say you're a perfectionist, I'm just saying you're a perfectionist and I go, Jennifer, I have this cool thing. I can give you 10 extra hours a day. Okay. Cause you told me before you can't, you don't have time. You know what you're going to spend those 10 extra hours doing? Being more perfect. Okay. Of if you're course. an overachiever and you think you got to get ahead in this world, whatever is, you're going to spend that extra 10 hours. So it's a little bit of baloney as far as when people say they don't have the time to do those things, but it's really true in that somewhere in my programming. So I would start with being curious why I may be resistant to replenishing my nervous system every day, because we actually have to do it every day. We know we have to eat every day. We know we have to sleep, but our nervous system, eh, you know, maybe I'll get around to it in a month. Maybe I'll have a weekend off. Right. And that's again, against our biology. Yeah. So you also talk about like the ways to move from protection mode to connection mode about being resolve, repair and replenish. And we just kind of talked a little bit about the replenishing stuff. Like what does resolve and repair look like? So you're in, you're in protection mode. What does resolve look like? Well, let's do it the other way. Let's say I'm in replenish. Let's say I went to yoga. Let's say I went to yoga. I'm feeling great. Okay. And it was good. And the nervous system likes it, but remember things can change on a dime. So I go out to my car, what do we all do? We look at our phone and there's that snarky text and boom, the whole yoga class is gone. Okay, now I'm in protection mode and I can't go back in there and do another yoga class or I can't go for another run. So this is where it's like, oh, then why did I even bother to go to yoga right now? I'm all upset again. Now I need to do something viscerally, which means that my body understands false alarm. Okay, it's a snarky text. So it can be, there's a, a harder to show without people seeing it. But there's so many different ways. Like I, we already talked about, you can put your hand here. On, on your, your head, forehead. yeah. On your you can cross over. Anytime we're crossing energy over, the brain's going to work better. So a lot of times, even if we're just stuck on one side of the brain. So if I take my hand and I cross over to the top of my shoulder and I squeeze, okay. And then I go to the other shoulder and I squeeze and I work my hand down the opposite arm squeezing. Now, no, go ahead and try that. See, now, just squeeze, inch your way down, nice, slow squeezes. And then you, you come back up and I'll explain to you what's happening biologically then them. So crossing over is always really good for our energy to be more organized, not ah, all over the place. But here's again, why does squeezing work? It has to do with our proprioceptive system, but you already know this too. You're on a roller coaster. You're about ready to go down the big, long incline. And if you're sitting next to somebody, what do we do? We reach over and we squeeze their hand because that just makes us feel better. So there's just, you want to be able to do something viscerally deep breathing. I mean, everybody's always talked about that, but the reason it works is, is because we breathe differently in protection mode than we do in connection mode. But if we try to do, I mean, we have a long, long list of things that you can do, but here's the part that people miss. If I try to do one of those, 
like the first time when I'm in protection mode. Seriously, my nervous system gonna go, what are you doing? This, nothing, this, is, are you, this isn't gonna work. You, so the beauty is what you learn to do that's resolving becomes part of your replenishing. And so you do that when you're in connection mode, because that's how the brain learns, but it's also replenishing. I can just, like I say, just doing that right now today is just replenishing to me. I don't have to be in protection mode, but if I do it enough in replenishing, it becomes automated. So now when I need it in for a result, the brain goes, yeah, I know that is, and that feels good. And so repair though is, so let's say we're really good at replenishing. We know how to resolve, but the terrain that we started on is really rocky. So our nervous, there can be things that are constantly stressing our nervous system. And if we don't get those taken care of, we're just going to be spending our whole life resolving, replenishing, resolving, replenishing. We're never really going to get to this place. So some of the obvious ones can be an environmental trigger. You know, some people have severe, both physical and mental reactions to mold. So if there's some kind mm -hmm. of mold in your home and you can't see it, a lot of times you can't see it. You could do all of everything I'm telling you. And if you're living in a home with mold and it affects your nervous system, you're not going to get that piece I'm talking right. about. There's several different things, but the main one that is really hasn't made it to prime time is so many people have not finished their lower brain development. And <sighs> that's the big aha. So when that just means that I got upright and I didn't the first year of life. And again, we're not blaming anybody. And it's not, we call up mom and go, mom, where were you the first year of life? How come I didn't get this? But it's supposed to be that the first year of life neural networks builds a foundation, first of all, for the higher centers <clears throat> to build on. So <clears throat> I might already have a shaking foundation, but more importantly, we get automatic brain functions that they're so automating, so automatic that if you and I have them, we don't even imagine that somebody doesn't. And somebody who doesn't have them doesn't imagine that they're missing something because they don't have to compare it to, except for that I know people always annoyed at me or they get mad at me when I rock or they get mad at me if I don't look at them when I'm talking to them. This long, long list of things that create a disconnect. So the good news is you can go back at any age. And like I say, that 76-year-old participant, she did this part too. And you can go back and do the movements. There's specific movements that literally give us the connections, biological connections for those functions, which then make us be able to function in the world in a way that's not always compensating and always trying to explain ourselves to other people or give up that they don't get who we are. So it's a, I call it a possible lower brain connection, but it is shocking how many people have not finished it. And there can be different levels of it. So let's say somebody got 70% done they're going to function a lot better in this world than people with 5%. And, and so when people discover in our program that they only had five, it's a simple way to screen, it takes less than five minutes, but they find out they only had 5%. It's not a bad thing. It's to celebrate. If you've done this, this, and this with 5% of your lower brain developed, you're like amazing. Imagine what you'll be able to do when it's all working the way it's supposed to. So if people who are listening are tired a lot, so often it has to do with the lower brain because it takes an incredible amount of energy for the higher centers to try to compensate for the lower centers. And if people who are listening have the perception that they did really well, maybe you're in their 20s and their 30s, and now it seems to be like harder stuff, 
it's a really high probability that it may be a brain that's just gone. I cannot keep just compensating for you. I'm just really tired. And also the ways we compensate do age. So maybe we were counting on our eyes to help us with what really is an automatic balance. And then as we get older, our eyes. So it's, it's just a huge piece. And it's, it just also brings about instant compassion. Once you learn this piece, you just don't ever say someone pay attention, pay attention. What part of the brain are you talking to? Sit still. What? These are all things that we've just made up our own reactions to not understanding how there really are people, so many people out there. Doesn't mean they're not smart, but working way harder than they're supposed to. So that's part of repair. I would say that's the huge part of repair. Yeah. And, you know, when I was reading the part about the lower brain stuff, I was like, okay, first of all, I've never heard this before in all the studying that I've done on the nervous system and the brain. And I was like, wow, it just sounds overly, overly simple to me, right? Like, how can something so complex come down to something so simple? But then at the same time, it also made sense because evolutionary and biologically, like, you know, it's not like we have to do complex things to learn how to walk and talk and, you know, think and all of those kinds of things. It's the simplest things that have the biggest impact. Well, and that's like, you know, when people make such a big deal about eye contact, okay? I mean, I have so many families that start so many disconnects. Look at me when I'm talking to you, right? Well, first of all, the angst really is, it's more accurate to say, I'm feeling anxious that you may not be listening to me, which would be more accurate, first of all, than demanding to look at me. But the more curious question is, why can some people just make natural eye contact and some people prefer not to? So I always start with the curiosity, right? And it turns out that one of the really basic functions that if we do the movements we were intended to do the first year of life makes it just simple for me to make eye contact with you. And so it's just, to me, all the behaviors that we look at that people do, either we beat ourselves up for or other people is like, be curious. Mm-hmm. And chances are, I think what we were talking earlier, I have, I think it's a fun game to play with people when they say, I say, give me a behavior and I'll explain it in terms of the lower brain. Like, so say you have a hyper, someone's hyper. I can't sit still. I, I'm like this. Okay. I'm, and we just make the story. I'm hyper, right? Okay. Or maybe we can screen for whether you have automatic balance and then automatic balance you go, well, okay. I, I clearly didn't pass that screening. What does that mean then? Well, think about it. If I put you on a high rope right now and we finish this interview, you and me on a high rope, we're not even paying attention, first of all, because our brain, our nervous system went to, whoa, you could fall. And unless you're a gymnast, we're going to be moving up and back and around because movement helps us balance. But some people have so little automatic balance that sitting still in a chair or standing still is exhausting because it's not actually even automatic. So I can actually pay better attention if I'm moving. Just a game changer right there for a teacher in the classroom. Instead of saying, Jennifer, sit still. And all I did was put you in protection mode. Literally, that's all I did by saying that. Well, I mean, not only just for kids. I mean, one of the things that I learned about myself somewhere along the line, like well into adulthood, was the fact that I think and learn much better when I'm moving. This, right? would just, this would be a, everybody move, learns better when they're moving, but it would be an interesting clue in your lower brain. <laughs> right, exactly. So as I was reading this book, I was like, oh, wow. And, you know, I intuitively, like I used to, you know, in my corporate world, when I would have meetings with like with my staff, if I was doing a one-on-one meeting with my staff, I'd be like, let's go for a walk around the block. 
right? Yeah. And we would yeah. walk and talk, right? And I can solve problems and do things so much better while I'm moving. Same thing like when I'm listening to podcasts or an audio book or whatever, it's like going in there. But I some mean, people have to have it still. So right. they, they exactly. get upset if you're moving. But what I'm saying is what I like to look at is I'd like to be able to have the option to do both. So right. if I need to be still, let's say you were in charge, but let's say you weren't and you were the employee right. and they want you to sit still, then you're like, okay, I don't want to look like I'm all over the place here, but I'm really thinking about how I'm sitting and I'm not paying full attention. So I want to be able to, movement is always great. All of us need to move. And that's the other irony back in the classroom too, is the teacher, I used to do so much teacher training and go in, but so you have little kindergartners sitting crisscross applesauce, supposedly on the rug. None of them can do that these days, right? But the teacher, she's up, she's walking, she's this and that. I used to, when I trained teachers say, what would you think if I had us all just sit crisscross applesauce on the rug while I taught you today? Nobody wants to do it. The adults don't want to do it. So movement is important to everyone, but there are, well, actually even meditating, there's another perfect example. Meditation isn't usually, I mean, you can do a walking meditation, but the, the sitting on the cushion kind of meditation. I can't tell you how many people have come to our program who felt worse about themselves because they heard meditation's calming, right? But they couldn't sit still to meditate and then they beat themselves up more. I had this one woman who told me it took her 45 minutes before she came to Brain Highways so she could finally calm down to meditate. And I looked at her and I went, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Because I love meditating, but I know I would never stick with it for that long just to get to the point. And then she said it would last like two minutes. So, and then of course she goes and does her lower brain and she can just be calm and meditate. So again, that balance is we want to move. A world where we don't move is not great either, but there are times where being still is really helpful too. But what if I'm biologically not yet, being the keyword, wired to be still back to being still believe it or not, requires the highest form of balance. It's fascinating. Like <laughs> all, like it's the human body, like every part of it from the nervous system, the brain is beyond brilliant, right? Beyond. That's what like I'm telling beyond. you. <laughs> so and we just we, have to tap into the brilliance. <laughs> right. And when we understand that, right, like that it's actually working for us instead of against us, right? Always. Always. Yeah. yeah we have absolutely everything we need inside us already yeah you, you do that that you got the message that's the message yeah. but but it's okay to need a little guide you know what i mean or something to remind that's us because the key word is reminding but it just and you know and i want people to hear i have worked because i know sometimes with ring people they go okay that sounds good for her and her but you you just don't know me or you don't know my right. child i always love when a parent they sign up for the program they go oh but you're never going to get my child to do this and it's like you signed up. So you must, the part of you, I always, I always say, I'm going to talk to the part of you that signed up. <laughs> okay. For starters, that's what we do versus trying to argue with them. I'm going to talk to the part of you, but I always also playfully say is I'll be so into your child. If it's somebody who doesn't, because I've never met anybody yet that didn't want to be in connection mode, but there may be a different way. Not maybe there is a different way of how we start, how we put our hand out. Um, we're not going to, you know, grab you by the shirt and go, okay, we're getting in connection mode now. I mean, we have two months to be in connection mode or you failed or, I mean, all the old um, beliefs that come into it. But it's just, like I say, I, I tell them all the time. And I always tell people to 
Same thing I'd say to your listeners right now. Whatever you were supposed to hear today, you heard. Yeah. And it's not like a mastery. You don't have to listen to it six times and take notes. Whatever you were supposed to hear, you heard. And, And there's just already a connection mode feeling about that versus I need to nail this. And so I just, but you're right. When it comes to the, our biology, it's amazing. It's something when we get sick, we talked back to language, think about our language when we're sick. And I used to do this and I really caught myself, you know, oh, I, I'm fighting a, a sinus infection. I'm fighting a sinus infection or we have to take painkillers. I mean, it's, it's like, or what if our body is trying to talk to us? And I say, when, when we do get sick and have symptoms, it doesn't mean you're not really sick. I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor or whatever, but I have learned that my nervous system has been trying to get my attention on something and I'm not listening. And my heart has been trying to tell me something. So nothing like knock you off and make you lie in bed to do a rethink like you said happened to you, right? I'm, saying, Literally. I'm sure mean, if your nervous system could have talked to you, it said, really? We've been trying to get you to change for like the last three decades, but okay. Uh, it's so tr- it's so true. I mean, had I and I honest, I say this with all honesty, had I not been forced into the place where they were like where I literally couldn't get out of bed, I would have still continued struggling, you know what I mean, like fighting because that's kind of what I was doing. Everything was a struggle. Right. Instead of listening to that part of me that kept going, is this it? Is this what you want? Is this, you know, you don't know my history. I was really, really, really sick in my young 30s. Same thing. I mean, literally almost died, but it was like the best turning point for yeah. my life because I couldn't be superwoman anymore. I got so sick that I couldn't yeah. move and, and it was humbling and it was, but I'm hoping that not everybody has to go through all that to get to <laughs> that, the other side. Like some of us who've done that for you, okay, trust us, it, there's easier ways to get there. Like I say, yeah. my grandson, I think, is benefiting from all of this without having to um yeah. and that's an old thought too that you have to suffer before you feel joy who says see that i'm back to always who says says who i'm always a says who oh this conversation so so good and for those of you listening whatever resonated with you today just trust it like whatever exactly. small big thing or just something that piqued your curiosity trust it and then i want you to go get nancy's book connection mode <laughs> and like read it. It it was eye-opening. Like I kept seeing myself going, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's me. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. It was so beautifully simple and so many great tools, tips, and resources in there to help you understand what's happening, where you're coming from, and then how you can move towards what it is that you want for your life. It's a powerful book. It's an incredibly powerful book. And then where can people find you online? Because I think you have some resources as well online, right? Right. So you can go to brainhighways.com and highways has an S at the end of it. And I intended that website for people for free to be able to spend literally hours if they want learning more. So like if you go to the video section, you can watch videos of kids used to be literally the ones who came to Brain Highways because that was them, but they're enacting all the different ways that we're talking about. What are the basic functions that happen when the lower brain's not developed? You can see videos of a soldier from Afghanistan of how just came home, not with the same brain and how it changed. So those are always interesting to watch. A girl with such anxiety. Um, So all the kinds of things that we're talking about, seeing real people, you can go to the article section 
and taking things like, well, what does slouching have to do with the lower brain? I thought I just had bad posture. Uh, what does the whole idea of why paying attention makes no sense to somebody with incomplete lower brain development? So you can go just read simple articles. There's a way that we take that in, if we're live with a person that we can screen to see your lower brain development, but we have an online screening that's really reliable. So it's like, I want to say like a magazine checklist where you're checking off things and getting points. But the reason I say that's so reliable, we've had it for more than a decade, but when people take that and then come to our program, we actually do the screening part. There's nobody who's ever scored that their lower brain was underdeveloped on the online that we went, oh no, you're looking great. <laughs> and so there are just, there's different little videos throughout. Um, there's a video that I like that's about the thing that's talking about it. We just make it fun with the seaweed analogy, but that, you know, are we looking for fixing each thing? Because then the next thing comes and the next thing comes. Anyway, so you can do that. And then we have our social media pages, like we just posted today on our Facebook and Instagram. We always give a lot of our tidbits. Like today's post was a powerful holiday tip and it's connection is better than perfection. And then we give little ways in December how we, oh, we're, well, I get that perfect family photo and everybody ends up yelling at each other for the card, right? And, or we're late to the dinner because I needed to style my hair. We just give some, constantly giving some uplifting things. The, I think you talked about dreams, following your dreams, the post right before that. Such a great story. A kid that we worked with when he was 13 and he didn't even really go into the details, had such anxieties screaming, yelling the first day we met him when he came in the center, couldn't even come in, just climbing the walls. And he contacted us 10 years later, okay, because there's still that connection there. And he wanted us to know, back then he was diagnosed with everything from autism, sensory processing disorder. He had always wanted to play football. And that was his dream. And he was told he could not because he had all these issues, right? And he wanted us to know that he played football in high school. And he wanted us to know now that he's a football coach. So we did an interview with him to share with people. So our website, I mean, our social media, I make a point of using them to counter what I think sometimes social media is used to create angst and it's uplifting and you get lots of little nuggets. And I invite people on either Instagram or the Facebook, you can get some um, good tidbits. We will put the links to all of that in our show notes. Nancy, thank you for sharing your incredible body of work. Everybody go get Nancy's book, go check out Brain Highways. Thank you. That was, it's endlessly fascinating to me. So everybody well, I, listening. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, re I really appreciate, can I leave them with one thing that I want yeah, to say? Yeah, absolutely. This sums it up to me. As long as I'm breathing, this is what I told myself even when I was really sick, okay? As long as I'm breathing, there's options. As long as there's options, there's hope. And you add as a footnote to that and changing your brain and nervous system, it's a game changer. So that's what I'd like to leave people with. So incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. And to everybody listening, I hope, like I said, whatever nugget or tidbit stood out to you in this, please trust it. Go visit Nancy's social media pages, get her book. So good. And yeah, if you love what you heard today, would love it if you'd leave us a rating or review or even better yet, Pass it on to a friend or somebody you think that would could use this information. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.